Welcome then, Baggies fans, to the Liquidator Live. This is Adrian Goldberg here, reflecting on victory for West Bromwich Albion, though it was more of a chiller than a thriller, wasn't it? Let's be honest about it. Not the most exciting performance, but three points in the bag. Job done and just consolidating again after that disappointing performance at Hull City on Friday. Be interested to know who you think Albion's man of the match was. There might be a shout for DK. I thought, as so often, DK was very good for an hour, or at least adequate for an hour anyway. And he did score one very good goal and had another very good effort in the first half in the Smedic end, towards the Smedic end, well saved by the Wigan goalkeeper. I thought Jason Malumbi might have a chance for man of the match as well. I thought Malumbi was all action, just doing lots of the dirty work as he so often does. I thought he had a very good game. And what about Josh Griffiths? I was asking one or two questions about him, uh, not from an overly critical point of view in the podcast with Chris at the weekend, just pointing out that he's 21-year-old and he's got a lot to learn. But he made a couple of very good saves in the second half, the second of which late on really was a top-class save. So, well done, Josh Griffiths. He definitely has a shout for Man of the Match as well. So, welcome your thoughts, Baggies fans. Be interested to hear what you've got to say about the game, whether you've been there, whether you've been uh, watching from afar on a screen, or whether you've been watching from near on a screen. I know there were definitely a lot of empty seats around me in the Brummy Road tonight, but uh, in the end, it was worth the effort, though, as I say, not the most thrilling game uh, to go to, but three points in the bag. Let's welcome Christopher to the conversation. Hello, Chris. How are you doing, mate? Chris, just tap on your microphone to join in. Where's Christopher? There you go. Is that better? Okay. Yeah, this, thank you, Adrian, very well. Um, As you say, it was was a bit of a tough watch. Wasn't a lot of quality in that game, but... um, Three points is what we needed and three points is what we got. Um, <clears throat> I thought our two players stood out for me. I thought Swift and Yakushlu had excellent games um, in, the, in the midfield there. Uh, and, uh, you know, they played extremely well. But really, it was a tough watch. It was blooming cold and it was a tough watch. But uh, three points is what we got and that's what we needed, Adrian. Yeah, Yakushli played all right, I think. A few people around me were complaining about Swift. I mean, some guy, uh, there are people at football, of course, who do your head in. Uh, that's a given, isn't it? And uh, I was I was disappointed with the atmosphere. A lot of people were, uh, I, I do find this, kind of modern football phenomenon. A lot of people seem to go to football, not to join in the cheering, not to join in the singing and create an atmosphere and be part of an atmosphere. But to moan, sadly, you do wonder what their home lives are like, quite honestly. <laughs> uh, and Swift, uh, I, I thought personally, Chris, that uh, it, although I like Swift and he had that terrific effort where he, he cracked the crossbar uh, late on, didn't have a great game. But what I like about Swift is he's always looking to do something, isn't he? he always, he's always got an eye, can, you know, can I turn the game? Can I try something a little bit different? And we don't actually have many players in our team who can do that. And I certainly felt when he had gone, we missed him. I thought Taylor Gardner-Hickman played, uh, was, was seemed to be playing in the hole, playing in Swift's position as the playmaker. But I've got to say, TGH looked a little bit lost there. I'm not sure he's ever played in that position before. Yeah, I mean, I thought Swift, I mean, I think if Swift um, 
he's on song. We're 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 on song on song in general. I mean, he, he he still flatters to deceive. He's probably not the player we were hoping he would be, and perhaps hasn't had one of the you know top top sort of seasons. But I just felt that it, going forward, he was the one that was you know going to create something. Um, it was rather ponderous the way we, we, we sort of set about things. It needed a bit more urgency. But I guess we've got very little options at the moment to come on to change a game. Uh, we really are down to the bare bones with regards to players to come on and, and influence a game. Um, you know, when you've got, you know, two or three kids on the bench, it's uh, it's it's very, very difficult. But um, the points were the main thing this tonight, weren't it? I mean, you know, we 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 got to get three points, and you know, looking at the table, we're still we're still in it. We're now thirty three points available, um, and we're four points adrift at the over the playoffs. So it's still very much on, still very much on. Yeah, well, we said on the podcast at the weekend, got to win eight out of twelve to have a realistic chance, certainly 7 out of 12, but probably 8 out of 12. Uh, If you could win 7 out of 12 and then get maybe three draws, but let's say, let's aim for 8 out of 12. That gets you to 72 points, which I reckon will probably get us into sixth place or, or, you know, very, very near to it. So these two games, Wigan and then Huddersfield, you know, the two bottom teams in the division, especially when we're so poor away from home, they're as close to must-win as it gets, I think. So, part one, job done. Part two to come on Saturday against Huddersfield. But I do hope there's a, 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 you know, people go to the ground to support the team and cheer them on. I'm not, I'm not a happy clapper. I'm not saying that people should never criticise. But it does my head in when people just only spend their time complaining about the bad things, waiting to seize on the mistakes and the negativity, but not seeking to support their team by encouraging them. I just don't know why people do it, Chris. No, perhaps not. I mean, I think the, 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 the I mean, I think it was so, it was cold. This, this, I mean, you know, I'm of an age, I feel the cold, but, you know, it was cold tonight. I think that didn't help. Uh, there's a lot of empty seats I sit in the Halfords Lane stand, but uh, that's never very raucous over there anyway. But uh, there wasn't a lot of moaning, but it was just an acceptance of a... It was a really wasn't a great a lot of quality, not a lot to sort of in, get you going. And I think, you know, I think we were we were waiting for the team, the team were waiting for us, and we, we just struggled yes. to get going. But what I would say is, I mean, 52 points... We're safe. I mean, yeah. you know, a few months ago we were just desperate to get anything. So, you know, let's 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 look on the positive side. We, we've got a good chance, I think, of getting in the playoffs still. And uh, you know, hopefully, we can do it again on uh, on 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 Saturday. And uh, uh, one final this- thought, I was I was going to say for me, it was a very Corbyn performance. In that, yeah. it was all about ball retention. And if yeah. we had to go back from their penalty area all the way back to our goalkeeper to keep possession of the ball, we would do it. Now, for the first 20 minutes, and I understand to an extent why people were frustrated, because Wigan were closing down all the spaces. And at the start of the game, they were doing that very well. But I think Corbrand's style is built on patience, built on holding the ball and trying to find the space. And as long as players move... And our players do move under Corbrown. I don't believe in just tippy-tappy football for its own sake, but our players were moving. And after about 20, 25 minutes, you could start to see the gaps appearing because their players were not 
quite as energetic, not quite as fresh as they were at the start of the game. Our players worked their way into the game and could see the gaps. So there is a method to it. So I know people want to see goals galore. They want to see whiz-bang. But actually, this is a way to win football matches, and that's what people also really want to see. And it paid dividends after 27 when DK scored. For most of the first half, we were almost, you know, two divisions better than Wigan. I thought they got better after half-time, and they made it more difficult for us to play, and, you know, they they filled the gaps a little bit better. But if you look at it, if you look at a goal's highlights of this, which I did just before coming on to talk here, or the action highlights of the game, we had probably five really good efforts on target. They had two, you know, and... And we had about eighty percent possession. That's not an official figure, but we felt no. like we. They were they weren't a very good side, were they? Let's be honest, you know. And and I think you know we 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 controlled the game very much. You know, we were in control apart from one or two very brief um, moments. And as you say, Griffiths made a couple of really good saves, but you would expect him to make those saves particularly the first one. The, the first the one was one. maybe, you know, a routine, yeah. decent keeper save. The second one, I think, a good save. was a pretty good save, I think. I'd yeah, no, they were good saves. I'm not, not belittling those at all, but, you you know, you'd have been disappointed if he hadn't have done that. And other than that, they didn't show, did they? We hit the post a couple of times, so it could quite easily have been, you know, very, very much more comfortable than it was. But it's three points, Adrian, and uh, on to the next one. That's what I say. On to the next one. Good to speak to you, Chris. Yeah, well, we hit the uh, bar, of course, in the run-up to the goal, and DK was on hand to get the rebound. And in the second half, Wallace hit a post with a fierce shot, and Swift hit the crossbar as well. So, a little bit of luck our way. A couple of those go in, and we've we've you know we've rubbed them out, haven't we? And it, it wasn't to be, but we you know we were miles better than Wigan. Also, by the way, going into the ground as I walk towards the Rummy Road end, I got a leaflet from Action for Albion with a picture of Gurchan Lai and just the headline Lai. And uh, one of those sort of no entry signs over his face. And this is a, a leaflet put out by Action for Albion. And they're marching. They're having a little march. It's the marching march before the Albion against Huddersfield game on the 11th of March, 2023. And uh, they're saying, join our march on Saturday, the 11th of March, coordinating an organised and peaceful march from opposite West Bromwich Dartmouth Cricket Club on the Birmingham Road to the Hawthorns ahead of the game. The Saints supporters are asked to gather at 2.15 for a 2.30 start. So if you want to show your opposition to go a channel live, peaceful march beginning at 2.15, gather at 2.15 for 2.30, opposite West Bromwich Dartmouth Cricket Club on the Birmingham Road, just a short march uh, towards the Hawthorns. I'm guessing German won't be there unless you're planning a trip over. German, how you doing? You're right. Uh, I am. Also, one thing I did notice crowd-wise was the 12th minute. I saw a lot of lights. That was good to see. Yeah, the lights were up there on the 12th minute. Well spotted, German. Yeah, I'm glad you saw that. Yep. On your telly stream in uh, in Oregon, and uh, we were yeah. I had my phone out as you might expect, and uh, it was the first moment the crowd really sang was uh, "Stand Up If You Want," "Lie Out" on the twelfth minute. So uh, that was good. That was good. That was positive. Yeah. And uh, in the end, as I say, I know it wasn't a thrilling game, but it, we were the better team by some way. We won one nil. We came away with 
three points. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's better than it was on last Friday, isn't it, by some considerable way? Uh, I would agree with that. It's honestly, it, it's insane to me just to see the, the difference between our home and away form because we just do not concede at home at all. That was, I think that was the ninth clean sheet we've kept at home under Corboran, which is fantastic. Um, but it did feel like a bit of the Blackburn game, except their late equalizer never came. And I think it was, I think it was the 57th minute when Malumbi came off and he was replaced by Chalaba. Uh, I saw that as Carlos just willing to play for one nil when I thought there were still the opportunities to go get the second, which definitely would have put it away. But once again, three points is three points. I can't, I can't be too upset. No, well, I've got to say a couple of things about the substitutions. And generally, I'm very praising of Corberan. He tends to make very proactive substitutions. And they're ones that are designed to change the game and have a, a really direct impact on it. Wasn't sure about that one. Now, it's been suggested to me that Malumbi is on nine bookings and a 10th booking would earn him a two-game ban, which particularly given our injury problems at the moment would be really, really difficult to deal with. Now, I don't know if that's why I didn't see Malumbi picking up a knock in the game. And for me, he had been one of our outstanding performers. He was just available to his teammates and he, he made the goal for DK with his shot that was saved by the Wigan goalkeeper. So perhaps he was doing it. Perhaps Corbram was doing it to ensure that there was no need to get a, a, a booking, which would earn him a suspension. But immediately you take Malumbi off. The fizz goes out of the midfield. And Chalibur once again failed to impress me, didn't grab hold of the midfield. And I think you're right, from that point on, we stopped being any kind of potent attacking force, really. And I, we looked less secure defensively, too. So mm-hmm. if it was if it was to protect the second yellow card, that's that's still dicey with over half an hour of the game to go, isn't it? I think not so much him coming off there, because I do understand like you are worried about getting that other card. Maybe there is like you want to keep him fully fit, mm. but it is bringing Chalaba on instead of Gardner Hickman. That's what confused me. Not Malumbi getting subbed off that early, but bringing Chalaba on because as we've seen, Chalaba and Yakushlu, they do not work very well together uh, in together paired in the double pivot. And it just felt like from then we were definitely playing just to hold the lead when we definitely could have, could have gone out and gotten maybe one or two other ones. Yeah, I, well, I don't... Uh, yeah, I, 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 it was puzzling to me. And I, I don't get the, the late substitution then of Gardner Hickman on with five minutes to go for Swift and and kind of playing in that playmaker role behind DK because that's not a natural role for Gardner Hickman I don't think uh, maybe it's something again that has been tried in training but Gardner Hickman was chasing shadows he was only on for a, a short period granted five minutes then plus five added on but never looked comfortable what didn't mm-hmm. again didn't quite get was that we, we've brought Mo Far back from a filed a non-league team on loan from the National League. And DK, for me, for the last half hour of the game, was a passenger. Really, 
I just don't think he has the capacity to run for 90 minutes. I just think that's not in his makeup. I know he was out for a long time with injury, but he's he's been back long enough now. And I thought, well, you know, if, if Farl has played regularly and he's scored 10 goals in 16 games, even if it's non-league, he clearly knows the way to goal. And even if it's just for 15 minutes and he harries and he closes down and he burns up all his energy in that last 15 minutes, it gives DK a rest and we also get the chance mm-hmm. of what Val can do. So I, I thought, hmm, you know, I'm not sure why he didn't quite trust Farl to do a bit of that. Either him or Malcolm, honestly, either of them would have been a good sub for DK at that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, it was strange, wasn't it, that Rico Richards came on a sub in the whole game and did reasonably well, given the circumstances of the game, but then didn't make the uh, the bench. Whether that was, again, down to the manager thinking, well, maybe as a young kid, he, he wouldn't have the enough energy in the tank, but you'd think as a young kid, if he's coming as sub in one match and he's done reasonably well, he'd be chomping at the bit to get the chance to go and do it again, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd rather see him more than Adam Reach again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like, yeah, Adam Reach is coming on. He's not going to change the game in a good way, is he? Anyway, yeah. Jermaine, thank you very much indeed uh, for calling. This is Adrian Gobble with the Liquidator Live. Uh, we're going to be uh, live, Chris and I, at the Green Duck Brewery in Stourbridge on Thursday night. We might see you there. Just a reminder on that, by the way, if you're planning to go, if you're driving, park on Rufford Road and not the industrial estate that is behind Green Duck Brewery. Park on Rufford Road, not on the industrial estate, because the industrial estate is locked, I am told. So uh, that wouldn't be a very wise thing to do. I'll have a quick look at the uh, the league table now as we welcome uh, we'll welcome Rob and Robbo in a moment. Let me just have a look at the league table, though. Albion are ninth in the table, 51 points. So we're now four points off sixth place Norwich City. So that's a lot better than it did after the whole City game, doesn't it? We've moved up a couple of places. That was our game in hand. So, again, if we can press on at the weekend. And above us, we've got Coventry in eighth with 52. Millwall, who've yet to come to the Hawthorns, with 54 points in seventh. And then up into the top six, Norwich on 55. So that's the gap that we've got to make up. Just four points. Luton fifth with 57. Blackburn fourth with 58. And then a top three who will probably be on us. Middlesbrough with 60 points. And in the two automatic places, Sheffield United with 67. They won again tonight, beating Reading and Burnley top on 77. Uh, let's speak to Dr. Rob. Hello, Dr. Rob. How are you doing? Hello, Adrian. How are you? Good, good. Go on then, Rob. What's your take on the performance tonight? Well, I thought we played pretty well, all in all. Uh, we definitely rode our luck. I think Griffiths actually had his best game for us, do you think, so far? Well, certainly the two saves were good. One thing I noticed about Griffiths, by the way, and I, this I mean this mm. in a good way, is that... In the first half, we played very much the Corbran way, didn't we? With lots of yeah. feet from the back. And Corbran seems to have given Griffiths the licence, if he wants to go long, to let mm. him go long with it. And I think that's good. You know, Griffiths has presumably said to Corbran, look, there are times when I feel it's right 
to pass it out from the back. And that's the basic style of the team. And they did it very much in the first half. But if I want to change it, let me change it. And I think that Corbrand said, yeah, OK, and has given him his head. And we certainly went long ball, didn't we, from the back in the second half. So that I think that's a good sign if, if Griffiths is able to have that conversation with his manager. The first save that he made in the second half was a decent save. Mm-hmm. But the second one right near the end was a really excellent, outstanding Yeah, it was. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think I think to be fair, looking back, Palmer rode his look a little bit at times with the, you know, quick passes out from the back. So I think maybe it suits Griffiths more. And also DK's the out ball, isn't he? And he did quite well in that regard, I think, DK, for most of the game until he faded, like you've been saying. Which yeah, is just yeah, his yeah. pattern, isn't it? But so absolutely. and again, you know, some we were talking about this, you know, the game, and there's some players who just don't have that engine you know it, it's yeah. not a, not even a criticism is it it's just an observation that that's how they are yeah. and, it, and if those if that's how a player is then I think you have to kind of factor that in and and maybe not um not not play them for 90 minutes if you've got a choice but maybe we don't have a choice at the moment you know given the the, the level of the injuries who else caught your eye tonight Dr Rob then any any other players you, you like Chris? <laughs> one or two have mentioned your Kushlu he didn't catch my eye but looking yeah. at some of the, some of the newspaper write-ups they're kind of giving him kind of seven eights out of ten as well hmm I, he didn't have his best game for me, but I think, to be fair with uh, Yukushlu, his best games tend to be when he's having to be... I always think of him as like our Casemiro. You know, he's having to firefight and pass out from the back when needed. And he didn't really have to do that. And he didn't have to score either. So maybe that's a sign of him having a good performance, you know, uh, because a DM, it's about protecting your back line, really. I think D, uh, one last thing about DK... Uh, I think that turn that he made in the first half was absolutely brilliant. Oh, the one um, the keeper saved after he'd scored the goal. Yeah, the skill he did to turn like that on a dime. He's a big player. And I know it's a complete cliche about, you know, big players not being good with their feet. But I think he, he did terrify them a bit. And I, I the other thing as well is about the referee. Um, I think some of her decision-making wasn't great, but I think a continual theme... I've only recently got my season ticket. I've always supported Albion and I've just never been able to to go really until recently. And the refereeing in the championship is just shocking, I'll be honest. Um, I think think often when you see people, people always complain about the referee. It's one of the absolute golden rules of football, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Complain about the ref. But I think when you've seen as Albion fans have, football played at top level and you're mm. used to a certain level of competence amongst referees. And then you see football in the championship, straight away you notice the difference, you know. Yeah. As a bit of an old-fashioned diehard, I'll be honest, I don't mind refereeing errors. If you know what mm. I mean, the players, the players make plenty of them. Why shouldn't the ref? But True. And the lad who was sitting next to me was saying tonight, he said, you know, modern football is, is kind of almost like they want to make it everything technically perfect. And VAR mm. is a symptom of that. Everything's got to be ideal. And if, if there's a minor infraction, it's a foul, you know, the slightest touch or an inch over the line and it's offside. And I'm quite forgiving in a way, but I, I'll take your point. I don't think she was fantastic, but you know, there are plenty of, <laughs> plenty of other refs who've been rubbish or average. As yeah. Well. 
I mean, against Borough, the refereeing in that game was shocking, but luckily we won it. So, you know, by fairly comfortably in the end. Um, I think I think uh, Eric Peters had a decent game. I mean, the the centre backs had to have the ball a lot, didn't they? Um, because and that was one of the things that you know the like you're saying the contingent of fans who just want to shout and complain. Um, but at the end of the day, they were the players with the space. And I mean, I watched this Tifo football video. I don't know if you watch Tifo football on YouTube. It's a pretty no. good channel. Yeah. And uh, the guy on that, he made the point that Brighton you know, the other Albion, they have this tactic of where their players dwell on the ball a bit, the mm. centre-backs, and it pulls the t- the teams, because they're such a possession-based team, Brighton, it pulls mm. the teams towards them and then they can find the space. And I think our best patterns of play came when, when we recycled the ball a bit. Yeah, um, but I don't know if you listen to the wonderful Liquidator podcast with me. Of course, Chris, yeah, yeah. And, and a couple of weeks ago, making exactly that point because some fan had uh, been complaining to on Twitter about how I'll be mess about with it at the back. <laughs> and I remember under Darren Moore in the time when Graham Jones was coach, oh, it yeah. did feel like we were messing about at the back because we didn't really have a plan. You'd play played out from the back to the wing backs, but then then what happens next? We didn't really have the players to play it. Under Corbram, we're really not doing that. We're inviting the other team, come on then, come and get it. And as soon as you come forward and do the high press, great, because you've created a space behind you which we are confident we're good enough to exploit. And it took a bit of a while to get that rhythm going against Wigan and they made it difficult for us. But they just ultimately weren't good enough and we did find those spaces. And, you know, some moves in the first half, which didn't quite come off because the final pass wasn't good Mm -hmm. enough. But there were some lovely moves, some lovely moments, which on another day with another crowd would have had people purring with delight and applauding, you know. And I was, I was, you're somebody who likes to think Albion's fans appreciate good football, even if it doesn't yeah. come off. I was a little bit disappointed tonight at the level of moaning at, at, at well intentioned football that didn't always come off. Come on, you yeah. Know? The championship players, guys, give them a break, you know? Yeah, yeah, we certainly do have a championship team all in all, don't we? Um, I think Yukushlu, he could definitely play in the Premier League. But overall, it's a championship team. There's got some potential, you know? Yeah. I think about about Yukushlu, I think he's a very good championship player. And I I think sometimes he'd do it in the Prem. And I think that of a lot of our players. I mean, it was amazing, wasn't it, when we were in the Prem? We had players like Robson Carnu and Callum Robinson. He would sometimes turn it on against the big teams, but looked really average or worse than that in the bread and butter games. And you've got to have players who can do it week in, week out. I think that is what distinguishes a proper Premier League player from a a sort of championship wannabe, you know? Yeah. Well, Wigan, it was one of those dead rubbers, isn't it? If we lost against Wigan, we would have kicked ourselves. And the Wigan fans, to be fair... Um, not the hugest crowd, but I've not. I've, I think I've seen smaller away contingents. To be fair, but they were they were pretty quiet throughout. But at the end, they were the louder fans, which I think is. There were. Uh, did you notice how many people had left by the end? It was quite surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. to say, right. I, I really think there's a conversation to be had about midweek football. I, I think I completely agree. 
It's the, completely the antisocial. Of, yeah, the, sorry, let me just rant for a second. Yeah. The amount of times I hear this, you know, under the lights, which commentators come out with on radio mm. and television, oh, under the lights <laughs> might be very exciting if you're getting paid for it. If you look at the amount of championship games that Sky cover, that yeah. uh, like the grounds are third full, a quarter full, uh, sorry, a third empty, a quarter empty. Yeah. And and at our ground, I mean, I think the official attendance tonight was something like 21,500 with 500 Wigan fans. There were never 21,000 fans in the stadium tonight. They might have sold that number of tickets because of season tickets and so on. But I'd say there were probably 16,000, 17,000. Midweek football... It was probably great in the 1950s when there was nothing else to do. And and midweek football, if you're Chelsea playing a plum tie against Borussia Dortmund, might be an exciting. You know, if it's if it's an additive, it's a or if it's a cup tie, it's something a bit extra. But a bread and butter league game played on a midweek. Let's be honest. I'm going to say it now, Rob. For many, yeah. many fans, is a chore. It's an absolute ball ache because. <laughs> You, you've you've got to get there, and you know you've probably had a, a long day at work. You've got the kids to get tea for, and all that sort of stuff. And I go out of a sense of duty, but there's plenty of people I know who, who are real diehard Albion fans who don't go to midweek games either because they really can't get there, or because you know what I can't be asked and. If you're saying to your most loyal customers, giving them a product for which they can't be asked, I think that that's not a good way to run your business, is it? No. And how much money? It was a cold night. Yeah. So you'd think this would be the night where the club would make lots of money on hot drinks and stuff like that. But even when you think about it like that, I can't imagine that was happening, really, because the atmosphere wasn't there. You know, a club like Albion, when it's in the Premier League, you've got these tourist fans, haven't you, who fill out the seats potentially because, say, they might want to go see Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. Can't go see uh, Old Trafford. So maybe they'll travel to somewhere like Albion. Yeah. But then you're not going to get that, are you? And that's what surprised me. And my my mate, I sit with a a fellow fan who's – he's only really recently followed Albion – um, but he used to go to see Blackburn, I think it was. And he said, he always says, actually, how many people we get in our ground versus, say, someone like Blackburn. Because mm. their stadium's big and they get about fourteen, fifteen thousand. 15,000. Yeah. So, in the, it, we, I think we are on a slippery slope, really. And mm. I've, um, I struggle sometimes because I come from Stafford, which isn't very far at all. No. It's in the same... It's in the same county historically, I believe. Yeah, correct. and and uh, you know, as my grandparents always said, you know, because they're they're from Wensbury and so on, which is you know West, uh, which is Staffordshire, and so, um, and I've struggled. I mean, I couldn't get to the Bristol City game. Um, I left my I left I left my uh, my place of work, and I couldn't get to the ground. It took me two hours. I had to come. I had to drive back home. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are particular problems around the M5, around the M5 junction yeah. and, the M6 and all that. But I just think as a general proposition, I'll put this out there. I'm happy to have this discussion now or any time. Might discuss it with Chris on the podcast on Sunday. Yeah. But midweek, I don't know what you do because the championship at the moment is based on 23 home games and 23 away games and 24 teams and 46 matches. 
I, I, there isn't room in the calendar to have there aren't no. that many Saturdays to have it. But I think Trick. there's time for have a rethink of midweek football because midweek football is a ball ache, absolutely a ball ache. All right, Rob. Right. Nice- Speak yeah. to you, man. Thank you. Yeah, nice uh, to speak to you. Thanks. I, I really like the podcast and uh, well done with everything you're doing. What's up, man? Thanks, Dr. Rob. Let's speak to uh, Danny. Hello, Danny. You're right. Yeah, I'm all right, Adrian. How are you? Yeah, go on then. Tell me about it, Danny. Um, well, I think the general consensus on social media and a lot of what I've seen is a lot of people are saying the game is boring. Um, I think you've got to go into it and think, like, you look at how many injuries we've had, a lot of really struggling with that at the moment. Um, and you think, obviously, people are going to be miserable about the whole game and that. But what people have got to realise is, who remembers what happens when you win the game? You've, you come out the game, you get three points. Yeah, it wasn't the most exciting of games, but at the end of the day, we've got three points and we've closed the gap a little bit now, and that's what we're trying to do. Um, but oh, yeah, I definitely think there's positives to take from it. So, yeah, so for me, I think it was a standout for me today. I know he wasn't... Um, over the entire game and I don't really get the substitution but um, I feel like Malumbi was his standout for me and he's a standout for me for a lot of time because I think he just plays with the badge and I just love Malumbi to be honest but yeah I just the thing with the Albion is I just feel like we're negative all the time like even when we pick up the three points and I just feel like we need to take some of that negativity away I don't know if anyone else agrees you know, well, I agree with you. And I, 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 I think in the stadium, there's a lot of negative, negativity. A lot of people just sort of waiting for something to go wrong. And I, I, honestly, Maeve, I don't know, you know, what first drew anybody to a football stadium? Was it the sound of 15,000 old blokes moaning? I really don't yeah. think it was, was it? You know, that that never was an attractive, exciting sound. What drew you to the ground was the roar, the excitement, the community, the singing, the chanting, the swaying. Now, I know that times have changed from when I first went to football, but when I take my kids, and I I take my daughters, I'm taking my two youngest daughters on Saturday, uh, one is 15 and one is eight, what will I be hoping they pick up from that game? Again, not a bunch of old blokes moaning. What I want them to connect with is excitement, energy, fun, commitment, passion. Yeah. And and often, in fairness, often we do hear that from the Hawthorns crowd. I'm not saying yeah. that, uh, you know, this is how we always are. But the last couple of midweeks, there was this game and the Blackburn game. And it's like everybody's sitting back waiting for something to happen. And I think there are other fan bases and this does go in waves. This isn't a fixed in time, but we've worked hard to to generate an atmosphere. And Crystal Palace is the most obvious example. I remember I, I yeah. lived and worked in London. I worked in London. I didn't live there at that time, but I worked in London uh, quite a lot when I did some shows for Talk Sport. And it was an overnight show, so I had time to go and watch evening football in London. And I used to go to Palace. This is when they were in the Championship, getting gates of about twelve thousand. And their place was as dead as our place was tonight. And a group of young fans said, you know what, we want this to change. And they took over a corner of the ground. They spoke to the club, got banners, got drums. And now Sellers Park is recognised as having one of the best atmospheres in the Premier League. And whether we do something like that, whether we do our own thing, whether we just collectively say, let's change it, but something has got to improve because otherwise you take your kids down, whether you win one nil or lose one nil, 
It's like, who cares? You know, it, it, it really is. If, if you don't have the atmosphere, it is just 22 blokes kicking a bag of wind around a field, isn't it? I mean, I mean, yeah, well, I'm 17 years old. I go to the um, games with my dad. We've had season tickets since um, the um, last season. And today we took um, my younger sister, who doesn't really have, like, an interest in football. Like, she's never really been into it. Mm-hmm. But we asked, we asked her after the game. She was like, did you enjoy it? And she was like, yeah, I did enjoy it. Well, I definitely get what you're saying. Like, it gets to a point where, like, there's, there's the negativity is outweighing the positivity. And, like, I agree with what you're saying as well about the midweek games. Maybe that was a reason why the atmosphere was a bit, like, not as good today. But, um, yeah, this, the atmosphere needs a change. Like, especially, I just don't understand. Like, we're winning. And then, obviously, I think a lot of people were not improved, impressed. Sorry, I'm miss, mixing my words up a bit. Um, and we're not impressed with the rest of performance today. And I feel like that was the root of a lot of the negativity as well. But yeah, I just, I just, I just don't get how we can be so negative when we're winning. Like we took the three points away. That's what really gets me about the Albion. I think we've just got such a negative fan base. Yeah, well, I say it goes in waves, but it, certainly at the moment there's a little bit of that about. And uh, I wouldn't, I couldn't argue with you, Danny. I agree with you 100%. Thanks for joining in. Appreciate it. Uh, Thank Danny, you. on the uh, Liquidator Live. Let's speak to Robbo, who's been very patient. Hello, Robbo. Hello, mate. You're right. Yeah, go on, Robbo. Uh, well, no one's going to like me on this podcast for, for this uh, call. Um, I just think, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm 48 years old. I've been going to the Albion for a long time. And I mean, I get the points that people have been saying about the home. I don't go to very many home games now. I go to I go to away games a lot, um, and I find we're going on the atmosphere. I find that our away our away fan base is amazing. We're chanting the whole time. The atmosphere is amazing. Even when we're losing, we're still giving it rock all. Um, but today or tonight, I mean, I I was sat in the West End corner, and honestly, the 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 atmosphere was awful. Um, and obviously, I take your point on the midweek games, but um, just a point. Um, back back when I was younger, whenever I was watching Albion, I just wanted them to win. I wasn't focused on performances. I wasn't focused on anything else. As long as we got three points, especially from when I was at school in Germany, basically everybody supported Nottingham Forest, Liverpool, Man United and West Brom were, were awful. So when we were winning, we were winning and it was fine. It was great. And it wasn't so much the performances that I was interested in. But as you get older, you look at the performance. I have to disagree with Dr. Rob. I don't think Peter's played well tonight. I think he dallies on the ball a little bit too long for me. Now, Wigan are bottom of the league and they're bottom of the league for a reason. Now, a very good top six, top ten championship side which we've got coming to the Hawthorns Norwich Millwall Sunderland these teams if he dallies on that ball for long enough they will capitalise on that especially people like the 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 guy up front for Sunderland his name escapes me he'll be all over that and this could cost us a couple of goals now yes he's been solid and I get that but tonight, I don't think his performance was good at all. And it puts him in... You know, Robert, Robert, let me just pick you up there in, in a good way, because I agree with you, actually. There was there were a couple of moments in the game, and I'd forgotten about them, and this is the joy of talking about the game with somebody else who's seen it, is that I'd forgotten this, but there were a couple of moments, and I just thought Peters was showing what I thought, what looked like arrogance, yeah. but misplaced yeah. arrogance, where he was 
And I know part of the trick of this style is to invite the other team onto you. I get that. So you hold on to the yeah. ball, and O'Shea's been particularly good at that. You hold on to the ball to the last minute, and it's a fine judgment. Uh, thankfully, we haven't really been caught out by it because they're obviously well-drilled in it and they know what they're doing. But the aim is to hold on to the ball as long as possible to draw the opposition and then play, then spring the trap and yeah. go. And it works. But Peter's a couple of times in the game, Just I just thought, mate, you're taking the pee a yeah, little 100%. bit. Yeah, 100%. And it only, takes, yeah. it only takes that split second. I mean, I thought Wigan were awful. Um, obviously, yeah. they they stepped it up towards the end, and they had the they had a couple of chances at the end. But in that in that second half, Peters was dallying on the ball for me a little bit too much. Now against Norwich, against Sunderland, against Millwall, these teams will capitalise on that, and then they've only got one more person to beat, and that's Paul Griffiths or Palmer. And if you know some of these people are ruthless, some of these these teams, their strikers are ruthless. And it, it could cost us, you know, it could could be the difference between losing two points or actually not getting any points. Um, I'm, I, I, in the first half, I did notice, I mean, I, I look at the performances more now, um, and I did notice that in the middle of the park, whenever we have the ball at the back, whenever O'Shea or whenever Peters has got the ball, they're looking to play the ball up. In the middle of the park, you've got a Cos, your Coslu, he was marked, not moving away from his marker, not, not moving into space. You had the same with Malumbi. I pointed out to the guy next to me, I said, look at there's four of them in the middle there. Not one of them are moving into space. The space, there was space there, but they're not leaving their marker. As soon as the ball comes to them, in the air, nine times out of ten tonight it was in the air, they're getting beat in the air. Or they're having to pull it, they win the header, and then having to pull it down and push it back. Now, you need to move the ball forward in order to score goals. And to get the ball, you need to create a little bit of space. And the best team for that at the moment is Brighton. And Brighton do that really well. Um, and Yeah. But, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not... Well, obviously, Robert, no. <laughs> but I think... I, no, no. But I think we try and do the same thing. Uh, in fairness, I thought, you know, the first 15-20, they stifled us really well. They denied us space. But I think our players did keep moving. And I think even before the goal, we'd started to build up a little bit of momentum. And in the first 10 minutes, we were playing all the football in our own half. They didn't let us really get past halfway. But you can see it. And it was very clear to me, sitting in the Brummer, you, you, you know, from the, the vantage point behind the goal, you, you notice that every few minutes we were inching, our moves would get a little bit further down the pitch, 10 yards into their half, 20 yards into their half as our players started to find their way around them. Hull, uh, Hull. Wigan then reset in the second half and did again did a good job of stifling us, yeah. I thought, at times. But their keeper made a couple of good saves. We The woodwork twice, apart from the one that led to the rebound from which DK scored. So we did create chances. Yeah. I mean, I mean and, football, I mean, I mean, you look yeah. at, you look at Borough, we had 30% possession we won the game 2-0 we go to Hull yeah, and we yeah. get 70 odd percent of the ball created a hell of a lot of chances yeah. and come away and lose 2-0 so tonight I mean I don't know what mm. the possession is tonight we probably edged the possession tonight but it's just I mean people say fans are fickle they are fickle and I get that but possession doesn't win football matches it's what you do at the at both ends of the pitch is what is what matters at the end of the day possession doesn't really it doesn't really 
matter in that in no, that well, sense. Possession, but... possession, is a mean, possession is a means to an end, yeah. isn't it? Get, having seven, having seventy percent possession and losing two nil is meaningless. But it, 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 the all it's valuable for, I think, is it tells you something about the game because at Hull, I never, I thought we were never as bad as some people. No, I don't think we, we were bad we, at all. I thought, to be you, fair, I thought we played yeah. really well against Hull, and I thought the fans were all. I mean, you talk about atmospheres. I said that atmosphere was was bang on, as well as it was at Watford. Um, mm. The fan base was amazing, which is going back to the point about the fans. I don't get why the why the atmosphere at the Hawthorns is so flat, because the the the, the, the fan base away from home is unbelievable. I come away with there with a with a sore throat and from an away game, but tonight, I mean, yeah. I probably said about ten words. But yeah. um, Robbo, good to speak to you. Yeah. Safe journey, Cheers, mate. Adrian. Cheers, mate. Thanks for Thank taking you, part. Adrian Goldberg here, the Liquidator Live. We'll be back with a regular episode of the Liquidator with me and Chris Lepkowski uh, on Sunday after the Hull game. And uh, there is a current episode as well available now to listen to, which reflects a lot on the whole game, but also has other stuff to talk about as well. Uh, our final call-up of the night is Ilmatic. How are you doing, Ilmatic? You right? I'm good, are you? Good, good. Better for the win. Better for the win. It was all right, wasn't it, in the end? There's another clean sheet. Another three points. What more can we ask for? Exactly. Well, sparkling entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I really think he's trying, and I think there's a little bit of... Oh, you know, cool brown, is he all that? Yeah, he is, honestly. Just, you know, come on. Time to get behind a manager, give him a little bit of patience and recognise he's trying to do something with a very, you know, he ain't got a great hand. This is it. And he's trying to do something really good and interesting with it, I think. He is. And considering what what we've had to put up with in previous years under Pulis and Pardew, this is... It's chalk and cheese, isn't it? I'm running all in the championship now, but um, like you say, he's, he's working with kind of one hand behind his back, and he's he's worked a minor miracle, really. Um, right at the start, he took over. Never mind, you know, looking up that table. Let's get clear of the relegation. So that's that's how it was. And I yeah, yeah. That game, the Sheffield United game, his first game in charge when we went to the bottom that weekend. I mm-hmm. remember with my daughter and. It's a bit embarrassing, really, how much better than us on that day Sheffield United were. When we play Sheffield United in a few weeks' time, whether we win or lose, I guarantee we'll give them a game. And we didn't even give them a game last time. No, and that was happening too often, to be honest with you. Same same group of players. But um, there's a couple of things I'm not not sure about, like the Chalabar, Yukuzlu dynamic that... That doesn't work for me, mm. um, uh, but I think I think most people have probably already covered that. I wanted to pick up about the atmosphere. Mm. Um, I, I think you've answered your own question, to be honest, Adrian, because um, it, like you said, people can't be asked. <laughs> it's, it's a freezing cold Tuesday night at home to Wigan Athletic when mm. there's already a malaise around the club anyway. And um, I mean, I, I saw my mom before I walked up. I said, to be honest, Mum, I'd probably rather be anywhere else, but I have to go. So it's what you do, that's isn't the, it? That's the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think the, the tone was set from A, the weather, B, the opposition, C, the general state of affairs with the club. And also, I think a lot of it comes down to 
the the entitlement of football fans now because you and I have, have both seen worse so worse sides than this side, considerably worse teams. Yeah, too but, right. But the atmosphere, as far as I can remember from, but particularly the nineties, you'll go back further than me. But the atmosphere was far better when when the the Brummy Road was standing. Uh, even even yeah, mid nineties, the atmosphere was a lot better when you had Taylor and Hunt up front. The fans were more connected with the team then. And I, I think, I've said this before on the podcast, I think that's been lost over the last few years. Yes. And with the, sen- the sense of entitlement of football fans now who are so quick to boo. I remember years ago booing, yeah, they get booed off now and again, but it wasn't every week. Like you see up and down the country now. I've, I've seen teams that are uh, like top three in like, um, who was I watching? It was a championship game, whoever it was. Teams in the top three, they're getting booed off at I'll half tell time. You what, I think it might have been Norwich under Dean Smith. It, uh, you might be right, yeah. They're getting booed uh, off. I do remember a time, by the way, when we were at Megson's second promotion season, when we, when we did get booed off, <laughs> when yeah. uh, there was a little bit. Of, and, you know, but that we'd had, I mean, again, how quickly people become sated because we had, you know, Two seasons earlier under Megson, Megson walked on water. He saved us from relegation. He'd got us to the playoffs. The third season, he'd got us promotion. Then he'd got us to the Premier League for the first time in 16 years. So that was four seasons of never-ending progress. And then in the fifth season, we had to grind it out. And, in fact, that season was a lot like tonight, wasn't it? It was just like, yeah, we did the job. We got through. We got the three points. But it was no more than that. And and yet by that season, people who only had four seasons of, you know, moderately good football or moderately successful football, because it was never thrilling or flowing in that sense, never mm. cavalier, but it was miles better than we'd had. But by the fifth season, oh, you know, we want more than this now. We want we don't want round heads anymore. We want cavaliers out there. Yeah, a bit of entertainment. Uh, to be, yeah, I mean. I- to be fair, I can't even understand that. You want to see some kind of progression, don't you? But it has to be in the context of where where we've been. Yeah. So we've been at worse points than this on the pitch we have. Yeah. And I'm not sure whether all the fans have seen that. So this might be the worst team a lot of those fans have seen. Yes, yeah. And there is something as well very picky about modern football, isn't there? And again, going, you know, it's unavoidable. Can't say anything other than this, Ilmatic. You and I both remember a time when football wasn't on all the time and when yeah. didn't have hours yeah. to fill with acute analysis. And to be fair, a lot of the analysis is really good. I'm not, I'm not criticising this at all. I think the analysis is often very good and sharp. And you learn stuff about football, but the more time people spend in front of a screen learning what makes a good team, learning about the high press and the low block, and everybody talks like a coach nowadays, that's great at a level, but it can take away some of the visceral excitement of football and... I think I come from a tradition of having played football. I've got a daughter who still plays now. and. I think it can you can become disconnected. You can sit high up in the stand, and it's a bit like you're watching it on telly. And we're all saying, "Oh, what did you think?" You know, and it and it's a bit like, you know, that's just I suppose to an extent how it is. But we can change these things. And I say that classic example is what Palace fans went out deliberately to do to change the atmosphere at their stadium. They said we want it to be 
brighter and louder and noisier than this. So we're mm. going to do something about it. And I think about the great work that Ali Jones and Action for Albion have done around campaigning against lie. Great. I totally support that. Let's do something similar as well to improve the atmosphere at our club because we can't make our club richer. We can't make mm. it successful on the field, not directly anyway. We can choose the atmosphere in our stadium. We can choose whether we turn the volume up or whether we turn it down. And I guarantee that if we turn it up, we'll all have a better time. And if we don't do it, I think people will just get bored and drift away and think, oh, yeah, football, that used to be exciting. And now it's not. And, you know, it was a little bit how I felt tonight. I just thought, you know, the, the, the wind's great and I feel up about the, the victory. But why drag your ass out on a Tuesday night, <laughs> a freezing cold Tuesday night, unless you're going to be part of something bigger? Because you have to go. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. You have to go. <laughs> but don't be too disheartened. We've been there before. And you know what? The Hawthorns, and I'm, I'm biased, but when it, when it is in full flow, there are a few better places to be in a football as a football stadium. And I've heard, I've heard several journalists say the same thing. When it's rocking, the, the place is a brilliant place to be. Just need to make it like that more often. But it's difficult to do that. We're yeah. going at home on a Tuesday night when it's one degree. True enough. Let's make it like <laughs> that. A deal, Matty. You and me, eh? Well, maybe not. I don't know about that. <laughs> Depends how cold it is. I'll be on my own. All right, fair enough. All right, listen, good to speak to you. Thanks, mate. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. The Albion have won 1-0. Daryl DK, thank you to everybody who's taken part. If you want to drop me an email, comment on anything that we've discussed tonight, goldbergradio at gmail.com. That's goldbergradio at gmail.com. The Albion are in ninth position now, having moved up a couple of places Four points behind Norwich in sixth, with a home game to come against Huddersfield, who are bottom of the table. No, next to bottom. We put, uh, I think, Huddersfield, uh, Huddersfield the next to bottom. We're going to bottom. Uh, possibly we put them there on goal difference. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, there we go. We are doing better tonight than we were on Friday. It's progress. So enjoy the rest of your night. Have a great time. We'll see you again. Uh, for the Liquidator Live, if you're there on Thursday, for another Liquidator Live on Twitter Spaces on Saturday, hopefully after the Huddersfield game, and then with a fresh podcast on Sunday with me and Chris. Take care all. See you soon. Cheers now. Up the baggies.